0: It's almost here, the 2019 NFL season. But before the season, we have the preseason. And that's a crazy time in the fantasy football world. If you're not careful, the hype you hear can ruin months of evaluations and projections. During the preseason, you're hearing coaches talk about all their new stars. Any undrafted free agent that you've never heard of, you all of a sudden want them on your dynasty team. There are reactions, and then there's reactions to the reactions, some updating their ranks and others not willing to budge on their rankings. It's hard to determine what's an overreaction and what's an underreaction. But to help us navigate this tricky course, I've commissioned a Sharp Dynasty football mind, and he's here to tell us what players we should buy and what players we should sell after the preseason hype. So grab a drink, relax, and let's talk some football. I'd like to introduce our third guest to the lounge. He's a debbie writer and ranker for Dynasty Football Factory. You can find him on Twitter at dynastyff underscore Kyle M. The one, the only Kyle. How are you doing today, Kyle? Doing great. How's it going, my man? Thank you so much
1: for having me on. Got a lot going on here in week two, week three of the preseason. So I'm excited to kind of chop up the games and
0: talk about our main takeaways. Before we get into football stuff, the things that people are here to listen to, let's talk about what we do in the lounge. You know, we like to enjoy our bourbon, our drinks. Are you a social drinker?
1: I'd say yes. You know, I don't find myself drinking too
0: often, but in social
1: situations, I'll grab a drink occasionally. I would say, you know, currently being a college student, I'm kind of balling on a budget. So I'd say my most common drink is probably your typical rum and Coke. That's usually my go-to.
0: I can vouch for that ball on a budget. Those rum and Cokes are two-for-ones, right? Oh, yeah. Deal's (laughs) Endless deals. Endless deals on a good rum and coke. Yeah, my college days, I was a rum and coke or a vodka crayon. So two for one all day, every day, living it up. Tell us a little bit about your involvement in the fantasy football community and where we can find your work.
1: Well, yeah, man, I just I try to stay as active on Twitter as I possibly can. I just enjoy engaging with people, um, learning new things every time I talk to someone new. But I would say my main work is I am a Dynasty writer over at Dynasty Nerds. I'm also a Devi writer and ranker over at Dynasty Football Factory. Uh, One of the projects I'm working on right now over at Dynasty Nerds is after every week of the preseason, I'm taking a look at each individual game. I'm kind of looking at the impressive individual performances from each player in that game. And if I think that player may be available on Dynasty waiver wires. I'm kind of giving a quick two to three, maybe four-sentence blurb on that player, my thoughts on the player, and a verdict. And that verdict is either add and stash, add and sell high, or leave on the waiver wire. So I'm hoping that kind of these pieces are kind of helping Dynasty owners through tough decisions of the preseason, which we all know how tough they can be. So that's kind of my involvement right now.
0: Good, and that's what we need today. The listeners need verdicts. So we're going to go over buying and selling of the first two preseason games. We're recording this after the Thursday night, third week of the preseason. So mostly week two, but we have some week three. So we're going to go player by player, some that I've identified that I want your opinions on. And hopefully we can help the listeners decide if they already have the player to sell them high or if they don't to try to swoop in and and get them before they actually do have some standalone value. So let's start in the AFC division. One of the, the most hyped players this preseason has been Preston Williams. You know, he has has been quiet last night as well as the week before, but he has 104 yards on five receptions. So tell me, are we buying or are we selling Preston Williams? It's tough because I think Preston Williams is a talented player, but we saw Preston
1: Williams put up a stud game where Dynasty owners were basically scrambling to give up second-round rookie picks to get him. But now, week two of the preseason, he struggled. Week three of the preseason, he struggled. So now it's becoming increasingly difficult to sell him. He was a sell for me after week one just because of the inflated price. I realized he was a UDFA because of off-field issues, but it doesn't change the fact that he was an undrafted free agent. I actually ran a poll on Twitter of Preston Williams versus Marquise Brown straight up after week one of the preseason. Now, Marquise Brown won the poll, but the poll had over 1,000 votes, and Over 20% of the people voted for Preston Williams, meaning that there's a good chunk of people out there that would trade first rounder Marquise Brown for UDFA Preston Williams. I think the time to sell Williams was definitely after week one of the preseason. But if I own Williams anywhere after week three, this most recent showing, I'm still trying to sell just because if you can find an owner there that thinks he has a clear path to being the wide receiver one in Miami sooner rather than later, that's something I try to capitalize on just because I
0: don't really see it happening. So there's a valuable lesson to be learned here. You never buy after one week of the preseason, you know, when the hype is at its all-time high, let the other owners come in and try to overpay for somebody because as soon as week two and week three hits, his value is back down to where it was. Now, during the rookie prospect valuation process, I had Preston Williams pretty high on my list. This was before the combine that most prospects attended. Now, you know, he's 6'4", 210. He played two years at Tennessee. He did very little. He transferred to Colorado State and really went off for 1300 yards 14 touchdowns he really looked like a dominant player on the field uh, he wasn't invited to the combine because he had a 2018 arrest but when he had his pro day his metrics were very bad he ran a 4 640. 40 he wasn't overly exceptional at any other agility drill so to me he was a, a buy low during your rookie drafts perhaps last round you know waiver wire pickup before the preseason started but i think you're right i think the hype has kind of gotten out of control uh, and if you did buy high you may be stuck with that hoping that that he does evolve. But if he drops down to wide receiver three or four on the depth chart going into the season, I think you're going to be at a buy low. And if somebody releases him and you want to take a stash, it could be a nice stash. But I wouldn't I wouldn't buy. And perhaps, it, like you said, if you can get some good value for him, I would definitely sell. So what about, we'll stay in the same division. What about Jets running back Ty Montgomery? Uh, last preseason game, he scored a touchdown. So for the two games, he's got nine carries for 43 yards and a touchdown. And he has one reception for five yards. Are we buying or are we selling Ty Montgomery?
1: Yeah. After week one of the preseason, in the Dynasty Nerds piece I was talking about, I was kind of breaking down the differences between Elijah Maguire and Ty Montgomery, and I was talking about how I think Ty Montgomery could have some standalone flex value, you know, as someone that could catch passes out of the backfield, line up out wide, line up in the slot, line up as a tight end, I mean, the guy's so versatile. But I was confident that Elijah Maguire was the direct backup to Le'Veon Bell and that he would receive the greatest workload if Bell were to go down with an injury in season. But ever since I wrote that piece a few days later, a blurb came out on Roto World that said that Elijah Maguire was actually on the roster bubble. So that made me think about that. Now I'm thinking not only does Ty Montgomery provide that standalone flex value in PPR leagues, if we're just thinking about a guy that could give Le'Veon a rest, you know, maybe, like I said, lined up wide in the slot as a tight end. He could provide direct high-end RB2 value if anything ever does happen to Le'Veon Bell. So he's a buy for me. I feel like he could be... I feel like a 2023 is not a bad starting point for Ty Montgomery at all, and I think that's honestly probably a fair offer. And to think about... The standalone flex value that you're getting when Bell's healthy in addition to the upside you'd be getting if Bell misses time, I think he's an absolute buy.
0: Yeah, that's a great take because when he was in Green Bay and he actually had the opportunity to be the bell cow, he was a top five fantasy back uh, the first few weeks of the season until you know he got injured. So if there's a chance that he does get playing time, he could definitely perform this year and be fantasy football relevant. So I think that's a good buy, especially if you can get him low. Now, another guy in that division who had a huge two weeks of the preseason, was Jacoby Myers from the Patriots. Now, had I asked you this question before the Josh Gordon reinstatement, you could have had a different answer. Again, last night, he went off for seven or eight catches for 74 yards. That puts him at 225 yards and two touchdowns during the preseason. What do you think about Jacoby Myers? Are we still buying or are we trying to sell? It's tough because if you want to buy, I don't think
1: now's the time. But I have to admit, this guy's a baller. I mean, this guy is showing out week in and week out of the preseason. I mean, he just put up seven catches for 74 yards. Every single time he puts up a solid game, I go, okay, still a UDFA, still a crowded receiver core. Now we have Josh Gordon back. Nikhil Harry's still a first-round pick. Julian Edelman's still a target hog. You know, James White's still out of the backfield catching passes. He was RB8 overall last year, just based purely on PPR value. But then Jacoby Myers keeps coming in. He keeps putting up these solid games. So it's hard for me to continue labeling him as a sell, but I just, I can't get on board with buying him because of what I mentioned earlier, all these consistent preseason performances. I would definitely be looking to sell Preston Williams before I sold Jacoby Myers, just because I think Jacoby Myers is showing me more of what I want to see on the field. Preston Williams is still struggling to show me what he showed in week one compared to week two and week three. But if I'm looking purely at Jacoby Myers, I'm still selling, but it's more of a tentative sell. I'm not forcing him off my roster, because I think he could put up some games like this in the regular season. As of right now, I'm still probably leaning sell, but it's more of a tentative sell than it was last week, if that makes any sense.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And and I think that if you want to buy, if you want to buy Jacoby Myers, you might want to wait until the season starts when Josh Gordon's back and Edelman's playing and Sony and James White and all these other players are getting hype around New England. And maybe Myers is on the bench, You know, if he's not on the bench and he's playing, then, you know, that window's closed shut. But if he's on the bench and not playing, that's a time to swoop in and see if someone wants to throw Myers in a trade before he actually comes back to relevancy. So, yeah, I'm with you on that. Now, the last team in that division is the Bills. What do you think about Devin Singletary? This preseason, he's got 11 carries for 33 yards, six receptions for 46 yards. He's competing with Sean McCoy and Frank Gore and TJ Yeldon, who could also be on the roster bubble. Are we buying or are we selling Devin Singletary? The Singletary situation is tough because
1: I liked him coming out of college, not from an athletic perspective, but just what I saw on film. Incredible contact balance does not go down at first hit. I think he's a great player. And I think he landed in a good situation at first glance. But you look at all of the running backs on that Bills roster. You have T.J. Yeldon, Frank Gore, LaShawn McCoy. Well, I think maybe one of those guys could be a cut candidate before the season even kicks off. A good chunk of those running backs are cut candidates after the 2019 season. I don't see Buffalo saying, you know, we're not going to give Frank Gore the ball. We're not going to give LaShawn McCoy the ball. And we're not going to give T.J. Yeldon the ball. Because we're looking at two of the best running backs in the past decade in Gore and McCoy, and a guy that they paid a significant amount of money to and TJ Yeldon. I don't think Devin Singletary is going to see the rookie workload that many people expect him to, so he's probably a sell for me right now, a guy that I'm not necessarily wanting on my roster. When I do want him is right before I think the Bills are going to be cutting McCoy or cutting Gore. I want to buy Singletary in, you know, maybe week 11 of the season when he's still sharing carries with all those three running backs in preparation for him to receive a greater workload in 2020. So this is kind of a preemptive thing because I'm expecting cuts to be made. I'm expecting that running back group to kind of be cleared out a little bit after the season. But I want Dynasty owners to feel the fact that Devin Singletary is just in too crowded of a backfield. And that's what I'm going to swoop in, buy him cheap. And then have maybe LaShawn McCoy and Frank Gore both get cut this offseason and just watch myself profit. There's just free value right there.
0: That's a great take. Now, you know, I think that because this rookie draft class came in, and I don't really think that it's that talented compared to other rookie draft class, but... Because they're shiny new toys, everybody wants these running backs, even if they're not going to be good NFL pros. You know, I don't have Singletary evaluated as that good of a pro, even though he's getting some preseason hype, you know, and there's some other running backs in this class. I think people want these players to break out, but I don't think it's going to happen. I think next year you're going to see an influx of really star-studded running backs coming to the NFL, and that are going to replace a lot of these players, the Devin Singletaries, the Darwin Thompson's, the players that these owners are really going out and buying high because of the dynasty hype. So I agree with you 100%. I'm selling Devin Singletary now. If there's a chance the Bills are eliminated from the playoffs and Devin Singletary looks like he's going to get the opportunity this year, definitely jump on if you can buy him low. So 100% agree with that. Let's talk about wide receivers in Tampa, especially now that Mike Evans has a leg injury. Bruce Arians says he should be ready by week one. Chris Godwin is there, and during the preseason, he has one or two catches, 20 yards, and a touchdown. Are we buying or selling Chris Godwin this year?
1: See, this, this is a tough one because you can can't really buy chris godwin you can go out there and try to buy him but you'll find that the owner will probably not be happy to sell him at market value you probably won't be able to get him at market value because chris godwin is one of those guys that is hyped up every single offseason if i had to pick one i'm selling just because i have extreme confidence in mike evans really never letting go of that wide receiver one job for the next three to four years for as long as he's signed in tampa i know he just signed long term i mean the guy has five consecutive thousand yard seasons to open his career, which is just absolutely nuts. O.J. Howard is still there. Him and Jameis Winston have an excellent rapport. He's soaking up some targets, and he should see an increased role heading into 2019. It's just difficult because I don't think Chris Godwin is going to see the volume that most people expect unless Jameis Winston is just going to throw the ball a million times a game, which I'm not sure I necessarily see. And even if he does, I'm not sure if Chris Godwin can return the production that many people expect him to. Because a lot of people in the community expect him to be a high-end wide receiver two this year, even with a mid to low-end wide receiver one ceiling. I just don't see that happening. I don't think this Evans injury is too serious, and I think the Evans injury would have to be extremely serious for Chris Godwin to see that type of volume and efficiency and pure amount of targets. So he's probably a sell for me just because of the hype he's receiving in the community. So
0: let's talk about another Mike and another injury. That's Mike Williams. Mike Williams. And the injury to Keenan Allen, I believe it's a calf. Are we buying or selling Mike Williams for the Chargers?
1: I don't mean to be selling everyone here, but this is a very similar situation for me. And it's tough because, as we spoke earlier about Chris Godwin, I like Godwin a lot as a player. I don't like Williams quite as much as a player. I think he's much more one-dimensional than Godwin. I think he's a fantastic red zone threat, but... He's not a guy I have confidence in when he's on the outside. If I want him to beat a cornerback one-on-one using anything besides, you know, his huge body and brute force. Uh, The reason I'm selling Williams is Keenan Allen's only 27 years old. I don't think this injury is too serious. I don't think Keenan Allen's going anywhere anytime soon. I think he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the NFL. And it's tough because Rivers probably has two to three more years left of prime football in the NFL or maybe just football in the NFL before he retires. I definitely don't see Keenan Allen falling off a cliff within the next two years. So we're assuming that whenever Mike Williams is going to be given the opportunity to be the wide receiver one in LA, Phillip Rivers will either be in his last season as a charger or retired, meaning that Mike Williams will be actually starting to get get up there in age and he will have to create a whole new rapport with a new rookie quarterback. And that loan is looking two to three years down the road. And I know a lot of dynasty owners operate within a two to three year window. I think the touchdown upside is definitely there, but I just don't think He will be receiving wide receiver one targets anytime soon. And when he finally is receiving wide receiver one targets, I don't think they'll be as high quality of targets as they would be if Philip Rivers was his quarterback, because I think it'll be so far down the road. Uh, So for that reason, it's tough because I know a lot of people like him. I know he was very efficient last year, but I'd expect the touchdown efficiency to dip a little bit. And for all those reasons listed, I'm selling Mike Williams.
0: All right. Well, I got two receivers that don't have the name value. So there's a good opportunity that we could probably get him cheap. Tell me about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. Last night, he had eight catches for 104 yards and a touchdown. Are you buying or are you selling off that performance?
1: Oh, man, I am buying J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. And I, I'm not usually one to promote buying high off a an impressive preseason stat line. But I'm actually going to buy high on Arcega-Whiteside here. And this is a strategy that I don't think enough dynasty owners Utilize If a player has a good game and their value spikes upwards a little bit, but you still value them higher than what their value is now, why not buy them? Buying high is still technically buying low if it's lower than how you value them, which I know is a little confusing, but that would be my strategy here. Throughout the offseason, Arcega Whiteside has been my wide receiver three and overall 1.06 in rookie drafts. So I'm much higher on him than consensus. I would say before this game, he was going in the mid-second round of rookie drafts. Now, after this very impressive game, eight for 104 and one touchdown, if he's sneaking into the early second round or even late first round of rookie drafts, I'm still buying him because I still value him higher than his current value. I love me some J.J. Arcega-Whiteside. I've debated putting him at wide receiver two. And my 1.05 overall, right after that tier of the top four, I love him. I think he's going to be Carson Wentz's number one wide receiver sooner rather than later. And he is someone I want on every single one of my dynasty, Ross.
0: So this performance just confirmed what you already knew. You probably already had him stashed. But for those that didn't have him stashed, don't go right away and try to get him. Let, let a few days pass, perhaps go in. For another player that you were trying to get from this owner, see if he'll throw in Arcega Whiteside. Uh, But I think you have good points. He he could evolve into that red zone threat for Wentz. Uh, He's a big-bodied guy. I think he was one of the highest percentage uh, red zone catchers at Stanford. So he could break out and be a good player for us. What about uh, Jalen Hurd in San Francisco? Played one game. uh, He had three catches, 31 yards, and two touchdowns. Now that uh, Trent Taylor's dealing with a Jones fracture, you know Hurd was seeing some slot roll. What do you think about Jalen Hurd? Are we buying or are we selling
1: I'm buying Jalen Hurd. And a lot of people were hesitant on Hurd directly after the draft because everyone was thinking, oh, wow, San Francisco reached on him. Um, He wasn't deserving of a third round pick. In my opinion, it doesn't matter what he deserved. What does matter is that the 49ers are obviously high enough on him to select him with the day two pick which is all I need to hear to want him on my fantasy team. I know this was a bit of an odd situation, but when Hurd played at Tennessee in college, he was a running back. He actually was the starter ahead of some guy named Alvin Kamara. He was able to hold him off, which is extremely impressive in its own right. When Hurd decided that he wanted to no longer play at Tennessee, and no longer be a running back, he um, transferred to Baylor and became a wide receiver. You know, being a wide receiver, switching from running back to wide receiver is obviously an extremely difficult transition just because you have to learn the nuances of running routes, finding soft spots and zones. But right away, Hurd was extremely impressive as a wide receiver. I mean, this guy ran sharp routes. He's big, athletic, physical, tested absolutely through the roof. And no surprise, he comes out in preseason and immediately puts up an impressive sat line. He's the type of guy that I think is perfect just to maybe wait a week on, let the hype die down from his two touchdown performance, and then buy him. I think you could get heard. If you toss a 2023 plus a solid bench piece to an owner, maybe a late 2022 alone, I think that gets the job done. But he's a guy I want on my dynasty roster, especially with Trent Taylor on the shelf, Dante Pettis apparently struggling in camp. He is someone. I want on my team. And a lot of it is due to his impressive versatility. He can really line up at any position. He's a guy that I want on my team. He's a buy for me.
0: So Kyle, I'm going to have to admit, I was one of the owners that said that Hurd was not worth the draft capital. And again, when I evaluated Hurd, I saw him as a project that could take some time. But what shows the difference between good fantasy players and bad fantasy players is you can't be overconfident in your evaluations. You have to be open to the possibility that you're not right. And I'm open to the possibility that Hurd could be a good player in this league. So I've gone back and I've done some research. And while I think he may be too high right now for me to buy in Dynasty, I think I'm going to target him in redrafts this year uh, because the owners in redrafts are not as savvy as the Dynasty owners. No offense to redraft owners, but the Dynasty owners are really savvy. They always look for that deep sleeper. They're always looking for that breakout player. So I think Hurd is on most Dynasty owners' radars. Now, if you are in a league where he's not, now's your time to swoop in and get him. But in redraft, I'm definitely going to target him late. And you mentioned that he played running back at Tennessee. And the 49ers seem to be having a dilemma at running back with McKinnon Hurt. Breda seems to be Hurt occasionally. Kevin Coleman seems to be Hurt occasionally. There's a good chance that maybe they move Jalen Hurt in to get some goal line carries. Or if he plays running back at all, one of the fantasy football platforms could make him dual position eligible, which would be wide receiver slash running back. And at that point, he's extremely valuable. So keep an eye on that to see if his positions change. So let's go to running backs. Let's start with Darwin Thompson. In the preseason, he's got nine carries for 52 yards. He's got one catch for 29 yards and a touchdown. There's been reports out that he's jumped high on the depth chart. There's also been some reports out that he's getting goal line carries with the ones. Are we buying or selling Darwin Thompson? Because I've seen some crazy trade Offers on Twitter, and I want to get your opinion. Are you buying or are you selling Darwin Thompson?
1: This one's tough because I think he's a talented player. I think he's a very talented player, and I think he's in the best situation you can possibly be in. But I'm selling Darwin Thompson just based on the trades that I've seen for him on Twitter. I've seen projected late 2021 traded for Darwin Thompson. I've seen 2022 and Paris Campbell traded for Darwin Thompson. Just trades that I think are absolutely nuts. And I do think that he could provide some serious PPR value this season, especially if Damian Williams falters, which would not surprise me at all. But if you're going to go out there and spend a 2021st on Darwin Thompson, a late 2021st, or even a 2022nd plus a solid piece, imagine how disappointing it would be to receive solid production from Thompson for a year and then have the Chiefs draft DeAndre Swift in the first round of the 2020 draft, or Travis Etienne in the first round, or Jonathan Taylor in the first round of the 2020 draft. I mean, it, w- it would shoot Darwin Thompson's dynasty value all the way to zero, I think he's an impressive player, but he was the 41st pick in the sixth round by the Chiefs, meaning that if they were really high on him, they would have selected him late day two or even fourth round, fifth round. I just don't think he's going to provide dynasty owners with the value in 2019 and beyond that people think. I realize that he had a very impressive catch in preseason, a very impressive catch and run for a touchdown. But, you know, just like we talked about earlier with Preston Williams, dynasty owners tend to overreact to plays. They tend to pay way too much for players just based on one impressive play from the preseason. So it's hard. I just don't necessarily love his short-term or long-term value. I don't like him in the early second round of 2019 rookie drafts. I'm selling Darwin Thompson, but it's not because of the player, not because of the situation, but just because of the insanely inflated price. And the fact that I would not be one bit surprised if Kansas City spends early draft capital on a 2020 running back.
0: Yeah, and this is where I get a little frustrated because, you know, I always miss out on the guys that I don't have high on my draft board that... The Singletary's, the Darwin Thompson's, the Preston Williams. You know, meanwhile, I'm drafting Paris Campbell's, the Andy Isabella's, the better prospects. But because they've been injured, they haven't performed. Their value is at an all time low. While these lower valued prospects are getting huge value in return. You know, you're talking about late 2021 for Darwin Thompson. I mean, this guy was a six round draft pick from Utah State that runs a 4-6-40. Now, I know he's going to get some opportunity just like Char West did just like Spencer Ware did, but he's not Kareem Hunt. I think people believe he's the next Kareem Hunt. He's more like the next Charkandrick West, the next Spencer Ware. Yes, he'll have some relative uh, fantasy football performances, but he's not worth a 2021 when that could be one of the best classes that we've seen since 14 or 17. If I had Darwin Thompson, which I had zero shares of Darwin Thompson because I didn't evaluate him as a good prospect at all, I would be selling for whatever I could get, especially if it's a one or a two from 2020. So I'm on board 100%. Any owner of Darwin Thompson or any potential buyer that's listening to this podcast, if you want him, that's great, but don't overpay for him. Don't give a 2021 or a 2022 for darwin thompson it's just not a good process all right let's talk about another rookie alexander madison from minnesota uh, apparently they love him there he's has 19 carries for 71 yards he's got two catches for five yards and a touchdown are you buying or are you selling alexander madison
1: huge buy for me probably my number one buy in all of dynasty
0: this offseason
1: based on relative price to be entirely honest i really like what i'm seeing from the player look at the situation look at the draft capital I know a lot of people will say, well, the situation, what are you talking about? Like Dalvin Cook is there and he's a stud. That is true. I think Dalvin Cook is a stud. I think he's a, an RB1 when he's on the field. I think he's probably a top 10 running back when he's on the field but he's played in less than 50% of his career games over two seasons. I hate it because I have Dalvin Cook on my main dynasty roster. I think he's incredibly talented, but he just has so much trouble staying on the field. So that's when we see guys like Latavius Murray come in in 2018 and put up high-end RB2 numbers when Dalvin Cook is on the shelf. Well, now Latavius Murray is gone. There might not be a clear backup in Minnesota. A lot of people are liking what they're seeing from Mike Boone in the preseason, but Mike Boone has performed well in the preseason before and we saw where that got him when Dalvin Cook was out last season. We saw Latavius Murray take over. I'm going to let the draft capital speak here. The round three pick on Alexander Madison in the 2019 draft just showed me that the Vikings want him to be the guy if Dalvin Cook goes down. Yeah, sure, Mike Boone will probably get spelled in, but I'm following the draft capital here. I'm listening when the team is telling me that they're big Madison fans and that they want him to have a significant role if or when Dalvin Cook goes down. So he's a guy I'm buying. I mean, Dalvin Cook missing 50 over 50% of his career games. Let's say Cook only plays 10 games this season. That's six games where you could pay a rookie third-round pick and have immediate RB2 numbers for this season. I mean, that's just incredible value, an incredible return on investment. And I think he's an ideal buy for both contenders and rebuilders. So he's definitely a buy for me.
0: Yeah, and I think that Minnesota is going to run the ball a lot this year. I'm a big backer of Dalvin Cook and redrafts. Now, you know, you mentioned Mike Boone, and and the Mike Boone truthers are out there for sure. And like you say, there are preseason players that only show up for preseason. I mean, Amir Abdul in Detroit as a rookie, you know, had a tremendous preseason. His value shot through the roof. And what is he doing now, right? So preseason does tell us some things, but it doesn't tell us everything. So you're looking at opportunity, you're looking to confirm something that you already knew before preseason started. Now, players do come out of nowhere, but don't bet the house just because someone has one or two or three good preseason games Uh, And I think Alexander Madison could be relevant if Dalvin Cook goes down in that offense, uh, if Mike Boone is, in fact, a preseason wonder. All right, two more running backs. One is Rojo. Ronald Jones for the Buccaneers has six carries for 25 yards. He has one catch for five yards. Now there's reported that he has knee swelling, uh, so he's out the rest of the preseason. There is hype around him based on volume alone. I'll I'll throw my take in right away. I think he's hashtag bad. Are we buying or selling Rojo, in your opinion?
1: I'm going to agree with you here. He's a sell, and... I'm also going to agree because I think he's hashtag bad at football. I just don't think he's a fantastic player. Coming out of USC, a lot of people liked him because he was a burner. A lot of people saw Chris Johnson. A lot of people saw Jamal Charles, which I thought was mostly due to the number 25 and the dreadlocks because I didn't see any Jamal Charles in his game, but that's another story. I never liked Rojo coming out because he's a smaller-framed running back, meaning that it'll be you know, difficult for him to pound between the tackles, grind between the tackles. But he's a guy you want in space because he's fast. So you'd imagine that he's a guy that you want catching the ball. He's a guy that you want lining up out wide because he'll outrun your corners, outrun your linebackers. But he's not an impressive pass catcher. I mean, the guy does not catch the ball well. I don't even think he runs the ball well. He's a smaller running back, so it's difficult for him to, you know, take a lot of contact between the tackles and stay healthy. And again, like I mentioned, that's difficult because he's not catching really any passes. He doesn't really have any PPR value because he's not very good at it. He's a sell for me because in addition to those reasons, I think Peyton Barber is a little little better than most people are giving him credit for. He had a pretty impressive 2018 season, was definitely not a burner, definitely not someone you were excited to start on a given week. But he was like a poor man's Lamar Miller. You put him in your starting lineup and he will get you numbers. They won't you know, be very appealing. They won't win you your week. But he'll give you solid low-end RB2, RB3 numbers. And also we have... UDFA, Bruce Anderson in that backfield, that's been getting some hype lately. And then we have, I'm going to butcher this horribly, but...
0: (laughs) I know where
1: you're going with this one. Dare Ogumbawale. No idea if that was even remotely close, but he's someone who's been performing well this preseason. We've seen Rojo suffer a pretty gross-looking hyperextension knee injury. I'm not sure if you saw that picture, but I wouldn't be surprised if Barber and Ogumbawale perform pretty well with Rojo on the shelf. I wouldn't be surprised if Rojo even opens the season as the number three running back in Tampa Bay just because I know they spent a round two pick on him. I just don't think he's very good. I didn't think he was very good coming out. And during his rookie season when he was absolutely terrible, that kind of gave me some confidence in my process because I just don't think he's very good. So he's a sell for me. If you can sell to anyone that thinks that he will receive enough volume this season to be a low-end RB2, big sell.
0: Yeah, and you make some great points. I heard the Jamal Charles comparisons coming out of college, and I did not know where that was coming from, but you make a good point. He was number 25. He had dreads, and if you watched his highlight film, which a lot of the the quick evaluators do, he had wide holes, and he was outrunning everyone to the end zone. So I can see why they, they compared him to Jamal Charles, but if you actually watch Ronald Jones, he's not even close to that talent. You know, when I was evaluating Sam Darnold at his pro day, Sam Donald had two incomplete passes, and one of those was a swing pass to Ronald Jones. He was not wearing a helmet. He was not wearing pads. All he had to do was catch a swing pass, and he dropped it. Now, that just tells me right there what kind of hands he has. And again, like you say, he would be great in the open field if you could swing him the ball and let him outrun the linebackers. But the problem is, if he's open, he's going to drop it. You know, And also the draft capital. Jason Light has been a terrible GM for the Buccaneers. His drafts in Tampa have been absolutely terrible other than the Mike Evans selection. And when he took Rojo at number two, I didn't even have Ronald Jones on my draft prospect list. I thought he was that bad. And I I was in agreement with you that I felt like they were going to give him every opportunity to succeed because their job's hindered on that draft pick. But since then, the Glazers have given like a five-year deal, which is insane because he's terrible. So I don't think that it hinges on that anymore. I think that the Bucks can simply pack up shop and say, you know what, Rojo, we're going to agree with the rest of the industry. You are bad. Uh, now you have a knee injury. We have Peyton Barber. We have uh, – what's his name again? Oh, gosh. Dare Ogumbawale is, yeah. is what is how I'm pronouncing it. And, and the Bucks are in such a bad cap situation that I also think that if a, if a running back gets released from another team, maybe it's TJ Yeldon, maybe an Elijah Maguire – maybe a Kenneth Dixon, a player that the Bucs can bring in and negotiate under their terms, one that clears waivers. Uh, I think you could see another running back come into this backfield. If they don't, uh, I would definitely move Barbara up my draft board. But if you can sell Rojo, I'd sell Rojo for a cup of coffee at this point. I, I have no shares of him. I want no shares of him. Last one is Darius Geis. Now, Darius Geis made his debut last night, came in as a hyped rookie, Usually picked in the top three of rookie drafts towards ACL after a great preseason one performance last year. Comes out last night, produced, I think, like 14 yards on a few carries. Are you buying or are you selling guys?
1: Buy, 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 buy. I could not say it enough. I am buying Darius Geis and I know that his value will be you know increased after this performance. I don't care. I'm still buying. I was talking about earlier about J.J. Arcega-Whiteside, you know, buying high if you think his value is going to get even higher or if you still value him higher than the rest of the community. I still value him higher than the rest of the community. I'm buying Darius guys. Early this offseason, before the reports came out of the infection that had a lot of people worried, I put out Dynasty startup rankings, which I'm not sure where they are now, but I'm sure I could go back on Twitter and find them. I found myself putting Darius Geis as an RB1 in Dynasty. He was my RB12 overall. I found myself on the Darius Geis Hill all offseason. I love the player, love the talent coming out of LSU. He showed me every single thing I want to see from a running back coming out of college. I mean, he has the production, the power, contact balance, lateral agility, pass-catching ability that a lot of people don't think he has, but he's been working on that like crazy. I think he's a very impressive pass-catcher. I think he landed in a much better situation than people would like to admit in Washington. Adrian Peterson can be gone after the season. Chris Thompson's a free agent after the season. Bryce Love is probably going to redshirt this season and then come into the season in 2020, basically two years off football, hasn't played football in two years, and Darius Geis will be able to get his feet under him Coming off this ACL injury, I expect Geis to be one of the biggest risers in Dynasty ADP from now until week one of the 2020 NFL season. And here's what I'm suggesting that Dynasty owners do if they don't have Darius Geis. Put a little feeler out there for him now. See if the owner's still a little worried about the ACL, about Adrian Peterson, about Chris Thompson. If they shoot you down, if they say, no, man, that was an impressive performance, I'm going to hold on to him. Say, "Okay, fine, you know, hold on to him keep Darius Geis. Wait until a few weeks into the NFL season. Wait until week three or week four when Chris Thompson's coming in on third downs. When Adrian Peterson is, you know, maybe dominating the snaps on first and second down because Washington's still going to want to ease Geis into things. The owner of Geis might not know that Peterson can be cut or gone after this 2019 season. They might n- not know that Chris Thompson's a free agent after this season, freeing up those potential third down reps for Darius Geis and is Pass catching ability that he's been working on so much. That's when he is the supreme buy. Because I do have a feeling that this Redskins front office and this Redskins coaching staff is going to want to ease him in because you're not going to give 15 to 20 touches to a guy coming off an ACL injury, suffering from post-surgery infection. That's when you want to buy guys. I'm personally trying to buy him now because I just want to put a feeler out there. Again, like I said earlier, if the owner's asking for too much, you know. Don't tip your hand. Don't let him know that you want Geist this much. Wait until a few weeks into the season. Wait until he's the second running back on the depth chart and losing third down reps to Chris Thompson and buy, 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 buy. I could not say it enough. Darius Geist has been the biggest overall buy for me in Dynasty almost since he came out as a rookie. That's how much I loved him. And he's still a buy for me now. I want him on every single Dynasty roster. And I know I sound a little biased, but I just, I love the player. I love everything about the situation, and I just want him on my dynasty roster.
0: So in, in rookie drafts last year, I, I got Sony Michelle before Geis. I, I reached on Michelle before mm-hmm. Geis, and there was plenty of opportunity for me to get Geis after the injury. Uh, so basically securing picks two and three of that draft class for literally nothing. Um, so we're going to play a game real quick. Uh, I'm going to call it Quick Pick. I need to pick your brain for, for these dynasty stashes, and our listeners need to know as well. So I'm going to name some players in some position battles, and you just give me a quick pick on who I want to stash. If you want to give me a quick sentence of why you want them, that's fine. If not, you can just give me a name and I'll move on. So the first one, we're going to Atlanta backfield. Quadri Allison, Brian Hill, or Edo Smith?
1: I'll take Edo Smith here just because we've already seen him produce at a solid level. I think he provides the most PPR value, and I think he's the one that would receive the most touches if anything were to happen to Devonta Freeman.
0: What about the Green Bay receiving corps? Jake Kumaro, Geronimo Allison, or
1: MVS? I'm going MVS here. I don't think any of these guys provide serious long-term value because I could easily see Green Bay addressing that wide receiver 2 position in the 2020 draft. But I'm taking MVS because I wouldn't even be shocked if he broke a 1,000 yards this season. I think he could have that impressive of a year if he establishes himself as Aaron Rodgers' wide receiver 2, which I think he will. DJ Moore or Curtis Samuel? Give me DJ Moore straight up. Give me DJ Moore at their respective costs. Either way, just give me DJ Moore. I love Moore. He's one of my biggest buys in Dynasty this offseason, even at his relative price. Um, Basically, every analytic in the book tells you that Moore is going to be a stud, going to establish himself as the wide receiver one in Carolina, and I'm taking him here over Samuel.
0: I love decent DJ Moore. It's just a shame he ended up in Carolina. Uh, Tony Pollard or Darrell Henderson? This one's tough. At their respective cost, I want to say that Tony
1: Pollard is actually more expensive than Darrell Henderson right now. And that might not be reflected in, you know, current DLF ADP because I know they take it monthly. But if we're just looking at from a day by day value, I think Pollard currently has more value than Henderson. So for that reason, I want to take Darrell Henderson just because I think he provides the most upside, even though I was not high on him at all, not even at all coming out as a prospect. I think he provides the best stash and then flip value if Gurley ever suffers any type of injury. So I'm going to go Henderson here.
0: James Washington or Dante Moncrief in Pittsburgh? Yeah, I
1: hate to admit it, but I was big on the Dante Moncrief hype train when he was coming out when he landed in Indy, but I'm 100% going James Washington here. Um, I love the player, love the player coming out of Oklahoma State, 98th percentile breakout age and his number one analytical comp on playerprofile.com is DeAndre Hopkins. That sounds absurd, but I don't even think it's that insane, which is crazy to say. But I think he establishes himself as the wide receiver, two in Pittsburgh sooner rather than later. So I'm taking him here over Moncrief, even if I have to pay more
0: to get Washington than Moncrief. That's a fire take. I I agree on James Washington 100%. You know, a lot of people want to take Moncrief. We see what Moncrief can do. Again, coming out of college, he didn't have all the athletic metrics. He had one good season with Luck, but he's bounced around, so I agree with that take. All right, how about Sony Michelle or Damian Harris? See, if we're
1: talking straight up, I'll take Michelle here just because I think he provides, you know, starting running back value. I think he could be a touchdown monster this year. But I don't love Michelle in the long term for multiple reasons. You have James White there signed through 2021, I believe. You have Damian Harris, who the Patriots spent a day two pick on. Sony Michelle is going to be 25 two weeks after the 2019 Super Bowl. So immediately heading into the offseason, he'll be 25, which is just already old for a guy that's going into his second year as a starting running back in the NFL. And then the chronic knee issues. I hate to rip on Michelle because it sounds like he's your guy. You took him early in the 2018 rookie draft. But I'm going to take Damian Harris here if we're considering their respective value, just because I think he's relatively similar in talent compared to Michelle. So I'm not going to pay you know, top 15, top 18 overall dynasty RB value for Michelle when I could pay top 35 RB value for Damian Harris and then flip him for a crazy profit if or when Michelle eventually goes down with an injury because we know he struggled with those in the past. So give me Harris
0: here. Yeah, and I, I can't, I can't argue with that. Now, the reason I took Sonny Michelle over pinning guys, everybody except for Barkley is because I was looking at the short term, the three-year window, Sony came in. He was the best three down back in the draft besides Barkley. I knew that he was going to get some playing time, especially with that draft capital. I knew he was going to be on the field. So I, I bought Sony only because I figured he would be the best option for the first three years of his career. And I agree with you that I think that uh, he doesn't have a long career in the NFL. But again, Sony did what I needed him to do, and I won a championship. So uh, I'll take that pick all day. Uh, let's go KD or KD? Kalen Bellage or Kenyon Drake? See, I'm going Kenyon Drake with ease here just
1: because I don't think Kalen Bellage is hashtag good at football. I'd honestly kind of put him in that Rojo category. I This is just off the top of my head. I was just breezing through stat lines earlier this morning, but I want to say he had 12 carries for 17 yards in the game last night, this being the Thursday game for week three of the preseason. I just don't think he's an impressive runner. I don't think he's strong between the tackles. I saw a stat that said he went down on first contact on 43 of 45 carries last season. So that's just not what you want to see at all. Um, I think he's a solid pass catcher, but he's just not a guy I want receiving carries between the tackles. He's someone I want in space, but I think Kenyon Drake can not only be effective in space, but I think he's much more effective between the tackles. Coming out of college, the popular term, the association with, Kalen Balazs was looks like Tarzan, plays like Jane, and I think that was a perfect representation then. I think it still is now. Give me Kenyon Drake straight up at their respective cost. Whatever, give me Kenyon Drake.
0: I like it. I like it. And listeners, you've gotten a lot of ammo there. Go out in your dynasty leagues, grab up these guys. I, mean, I have three other questions, and I want to call it a, a game of who do you want. I'm going to give you some situations. You just tell me who you want. You tell me the player. Redskins wide receivers.
1: Give me Terry McLaurin. I think he's going to be the wide receiver one there sooner rather than later. San Francisco running backs. Preferably none of them. But if I had to pick one, give me Tevin Coleman just because he's familiar with Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan's familiar with him. I think he's an explosive player. Give me Tevin Coleman. And Arizona's offense. If I'm looking at the offense as a whole, it's hard to say David Johnson because his ADP is, I think, too high. It's in the first round of startups. I think that's too high. Not a big Hakeem Butler fan. Christian Kirk is being valued so incredibly highly give me Andy Isabella and six rounder out of Fresno State Keyshawn Johnson here I think Isabella was I think he's an absolute freak if we're just looking purely at metrics and Keyshawn Johnson is the exact opposite but I love what I saw on film so give me those two guys
0: Kyle you brought the fire today man I really appreciate your time I have one final question but before I get there anything else you want our listeners to know how can they find you well um you can follow me
1: on Twitter at DynastyFF underscore Kyle M. Like I said, I'm releasing these pieces over at Dynasty Nerds every week of the preseason, pretty much. I'm currently working on my week three piece after the Thursday Night Games just took place. Um, if you can't find my week one or week two pieces, actually, my week two piece is pinned to my Twitter profile. But if you want to see my week one piece and don't know where to find it, shoot me a DM on Twitter. If you ever want to chat about anything, shoot me a DM on Twitter. Um, I would, yeah, basically, find me on twitter at dynasty ff underscore kyle m all i really want to do is interact with the community talk to new people and you know just share some takes listen to some takes learn some stuff i just you know follow me on twitter love being
0: interactive and i've been a follower of yours since i joined twitter you've been a great resource so i appreciate you coming on the podcast so the final question is going to be for redraft or dynasty and since we're talking about preseason, i need a bold call for the listeners something that you see is going to happen based on what we've seen so far in the preseason.
1: All right. We're going to get we're going to get pretty spicy here, but this isn't necessarily going to be something we've seen in the preseason. It, it could You could relate it somehow, but this is more going to be of a general broad spectrum that I think blends over to Dynasty and to Redraft. I think one year from now, I think I'm confident that DJ Moore will be a top 10 Dynasty wide receiver.